welcome to Storytelling. This week's guest is a highly experienced paramedic from Houston, Texas, with an impressive 25-year career. His journey into life-saving started at just 14 when he saved a life in rural Kentucky, sparking a lifelong passion for first aid. He became one of the youngest paramedics in the country at 19, working in challenging environments, including critical care, helicopters and diverse emergency units. His academic pursuits led to two master's degree and a PhD in human development. His research explores paramedic bystander conflict and decision making under stress. He's authored books and co-authored groundbreaking work on hypnosis in emergency medicine. Currently, he's an Institute for Social Innovation Research Fellow and an educator, teacher, university level courses and hosting a podcast. Please welcome Bram Duffy. Hello, Bram, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for inviting me. Nice to meet you and be here with you today. Bram, your book, Hypnotic Communication in Emergency Medical Settings, why was there a need to produce this book? I've been a paramedic for a long time, and what I've noticed is that as a paramedic who works on an ambulance, we are very focused on the medical aspects of care. But when it comes to actually how to communicate with people in a way that's the correct way to talk to someone during a crisis, we're not really trained as paramedics on that so much. I mean, we get taught about the simple things like you should help someone be calm and reassure them, but the actual nitty gritty of what to say and what to do has just not been there until now. And so, That's one of the big gaps that our book fills. Can you provide an example of an experience where the hypnotic communication would have come really handy? I know, right? And that's one of the things that throws folks about our book is that we are actually talking about hypnosis. And what's going on is that we've been able to put together the research and understanding and our, our experience between myself and my co-author, Four Arrows. The culmination of that has really let us be able to show off that, hey, hypnosis is something that is very real. And in this particular situation, when a patient that we encounter has this traumatic episode happening to them, they are automatically predisposed to a hypnotic trance. And so for a lot of us who never knew that, it's kind of a big deal because as emergency responders, when we are coming to interact with our patients, it's true that for years and years, we've always thought, gosh, I asked a question and I just couldn't get an answer correct and I couldn't figure that out. And one of the things that we ask is sometimes we might ask, do you have any medical problems? And we don't find out the true answer until later because The truth was that this patient is going through a mental shock emergency in addition to 
the health emergency. And we think that the best way to handle that is to come to a better understanding of hypnosis and then be able to try to use those things that are going on to our benefit. For example, if I have a patient who has chest pain and I suspect that they may be having a cardiac emergency, it's really important to be able to interact with them in a way so that they can be calm. And I may be giving them medicines to do that, but the words that come out of my mouth and how I interact with that person can actually help initiate the healing process with someone. And it's not something that we ever think about because in emergency medicine, we're very focused on finding the problem. And then after finding out the emergency problem, fixing it. And that means sometimes it's almost like a checklist in our mind of things that we need to accomplish. And so as a paramedic, I know, for example, if I have a patient that has chest pain, then I'm going to want to get a heart monitor on them right away so I can read their EKG. I'm going to want to get their blood pressure and their blood sugar. I'm going to want to listen to the breath sounds. I'm going to want, you know, there's these things that I need to accomplish because I'm investigating. And and in this investigation mode, it's sort of like track mind that we're on to be able to do good for the patient. And in the midst of all this, I'm excited to say that there's a way that we can treat our patients exactly the way that we have been doing with accomplishing these tasks and now add a new tool to our toolkit. And that tool is a new way to think about how we talk to our patients and realizing that a lot of our patients within the first hour of the emergency are locked into a hypnotic trance that's not required of them to have any kind of, we think about the stopwatch that someone might wave in front of your eyes, or you might think of that strange squiggly round visual object to watch that is supposed to help push someone into a hypnotic trance or people that might work on helping do relaxation techniques and None of that's necessary because these folks are in a real state of mental shock. And so if I come upon a patient who has broken their leg, for example, well, it is a very big deal. The pain is just one part of that. There's actually a physical problem there. And what we can do is we can... Uh, use these hypnosis techniques to be able to talk to our patient to help them get through this. And so, yes, in a lot of cases, I, I think the research studies that I've looked at, it's less than a half, but uh, more than a third of patients get pain medicine in the field for broken limbs. So we do do it, but there's also a large number of patients that we don't give pain medicine in the field for whatever reason that could benefit from the fact that they're already in a hypnotic trance. And we, as paramedics and ambulance attendants that are take care, taking care of them now, because of my book, are able to think about how the words that we speak can help them. And so those people... 
we've written a chapter on pain management, for example, and that helps me focus my thinking about the communication I do with my patients so that I can help them deal with the pain of that broken bone, for example. And so before that, there was a gap there. And so I'm excited to say that this is a technique that really works. It's based on research. And I'm one of those folks that I've been a paramedic for 25 years. I'm a PhD researcher, and and I have a lot of skepticism in even the word hypnosis. But when you really get down to the facts and get down to looking at the research and getting down to looking at the cause and effect, this stuff is real. And so because of that, I'm excited to be one of the people who stands on the stage saying that we have a different way to interact with people. It's now a matter of helping them get through the situation that's horrible that they're facing. Book came together because I have a really awesome co-author named Four Arrows. His English name is Don Trent Jacobs, and he is a professor at Fielding Graduate University, and he's also someone who specializes in hypnosis and has uh, spent his whole life as a hypnosis expert and working in health and um, sports uh, hypnosis. And this guy that I'm talking about, that's now my co-author, when I met him, I just thought that he was very eccentric because, first of all, gets a lot of strange looks, especially from uh, people in, in healthcare with thinking about, is this even a, a credible field? And he was someone that embraced it. And I looked to him because he does have two different doctorates, a PhD in psychology and then also a a doctorate in education. And he taught in the PhD program that I was in. And so it was really interesting that I never took a class from him. But even though I didn't actually take a class from him ever, I spent a whole lot of time talking to him and interacting with him. And it was through this connection that helped me understand that and and see that the research that I was doing on communication and conflict, which was really the the kind of research that I did looking at how people on the ambulance interact with folks so that they can help the patient the best way and deal with sometimes the conflicts that happen. And one of the conflicts that, hap- that might happen would be, for example, I'm trying to talk a patient into going to the hospital, and the conflict is that I know they desperately need to go, and they don't want to go. So that's a conflict. And so I'm a person that's studying those kinds of conflicts, meeting someone who specializes in hypnosis and is telling me, hey, these folks that you're trying to convince of something, they're actually in a particular mindset that you have to consider. And so all of this is revolutionary, what we're doing, because it really, for the first time, gives us healing words to use with our patients. And there is dead space time sometimes when we're just waiting on something or we're riding in the ambulance with them. And that time can be used to communicate positive things that help them, knowing that they're in a a lot of times in a hypnotic trance. We're talking about targeted communication with patients. 
Can you give us an example, just so we have it in context of what your experience was like prior to you using these hypnotic techniques? Yes. Okay. When I was early on working as a paramedic, one of the things that happened to me was that I encountered a patient who was in a really bad predicament because they had broken their femur. And so that's the long bone in the upper leg. They'd broken their femur and, the, and it was because they had th been thrown from a horse. And after being thrown from a horse and in pain, he didn't move at all. He stayed where he was at, which was in this really dusty horse track area. And so what happens in patients who are experiencing a femur fracture like that is that the bone is not together anymore. And when you have a broken bone that's not together anymore, those ends of the bone that, that aren't together are sort of like glass, like shards of glass that cut into everything else that's in the area. So what's going on is that when you have a broken bone in your femur, the muscles are pulling tight like they normally do without any structure being there. The ends of those bones that are broken are digging into your muscles, and it's just incredibly painful. And the very best way that we can help someone who has a midline femur fracture like that is the best way is for us to pull it out and keep it out. So what we do is... It sounds very painful. We, it is painful, yeah. So what we do is we put a traction splint on someone, and that traction splint basically means that it applies traction to pull that bone apart. And so when we apply this traction splint, it's a very scary thing to the patient because we're telling them that we're going to put this apparatus on them that's going to connect their hip and their ankle, and then we're going to crank on it and pull their leg apart so it doesn't hurt so bad anymore. And for someone who's experiencing 10 out of 10 pain, it's really hard to convince them that, that this is going to be anything, but, you know, anything positive for them at all. And so before I use these hypnotic communication techniques, what I would do in this case is I would basically tell the patient how it's going to be. I might even be mean about it. I might say, look, buddy, you're in the spot here. I'm here to fix you. You just need to lay there and, and let me do my job. Now, it sounds like sort of harsh to say things like that, but when you're in an emergency situation and you're actually trying to fix someone, and, and then at the same time, you've never been taught how to use communication techniques to make the situation better, then it's kind of horrible. So now this poor patient has got someone speaking harshly to them of this is how it's going to be kind of talk instead of the alternative now. So I'm telling you that 15 years later, if I had that same patient, I could have a, a totally different way of communicating with them. And I actually did, now that I think about it, when we're talking is I had a patient who was hanging Christmas lights at his house from his roof and he fell from the roof and he broke his femur. I don't know. The reason that I mentioned this is just because I'm thinking about how I did have another patient with the same injury. It happened a different way, but in the second case, I was able to use my positive communication techniques to make things better for him. And what that means is that this person was able to start getting some kind of positive healing words to help the situation right away. And in his case, after falling from the roof, the reason that I couldn't just put the traction splint on him right away 
And the reason I couldn't start an IV and give him pain medicine right away is because he was stuck in a position where we had to get him out of a hard position because he was sort of between an air conditioner and the wall on the ground, just sort of in a weird corner. So sometimes we just get into positions where, gosh, I would love to give this patient pain medicine, but it's not possible because of the situation that they're in. And so at least now, until we can get the pain medicine to them, uh, we do have techniques to use to communicate. And, And communicating with people in an emergency there's lots of different suggestions that we give for all kinds of situations from in our book when we even from rape victims to people who have respiratory problems and allergic reactions and we really go through a lot of different scenarios some of the overarching concepts that we push for is that we want the patient to get positive healing types of communication from you so Staying positive is one thing. And another thing is working to protect that patient and everything that they're hearing because we know that they're in a hypnotic trance and we know that they are vulnerable right then. And so we would like to help them be protected from harsh, negative words that somebody else who doesn't understand what's going on might say like for example look how horrible that is with so much blood or those kinds of words we don't want to introduce to the patient so just knowing that that it's a good idea to protect the patient from that can be powerful so it's a way of calming the patient down if the patient's calm then the treatment can begin a lot sooner and it's a much better experience all around what would you say are the top three tips to anyone who does, unfortunately, the paramedic, but also for health professionals as well? The first thing I want to say is that I suggest to everyone that you take a first aid and CPR class. And it's really powerful to know what things to do in basic first aid and and not rely on the fact that you have a phone or a computer because to be honest with you during the middle of an emergency having the the phone is not always that helpful you don't want to be googling things so i am an eagle scout i was a boy scout and an eagle scout so to me i'm sort of come at life with the thought that everybody understands everything about first aid and cpr my mom when i was growing up she was a nurse that taught first aid and CPR also. So I've just been inundated with it my whole life. So the first thing I say is that please be open to the idea of of taking a class in in your community about uh, that. And uh, the second thing I would say is that our book about hypnotic communication for medical providers that that are uh, interacting with emergency patients is a, a book that totally supports no change in medical care. So we're not saying that we should change anything at all about how we treat patients. All we're saying is that there are ways to communicate with patients now that we have the understanding that many of them within that first hour of suffering from the emergency ailment are predisposed to this hypnotic trance. And if they're in this hypnotic trance, then we might as well take advantage of it. And we could take advantage of it in a way to promote healing. And 
that's what our book talks about. And I think that I want to just share that this is a topic that's really cool because it's sort of like a fringe topic for me. So when I was doing my PhD research, I had absolutely no connection with hypnosis and I didn't want to because I wanted my research to stand on its own without any kind of strangeness to it. Spent about 10 years. I've read over 250 books on hypnosis and I've been able to be at a place where I am a researcher, but I'm sort of like, think that it's hard for me to imagine myself as an expert on hypnosis. And because I think that there are people who practice hypnosis out there in, in a different kind of special way. But for this particular area, I just want to say to folks that the research really is out there. And so back in the 1940s, there were research studies that were being done on hypnosis and medicine. And really what happened was that when we got to be able to do research on the brain that looked at PET scans, PET scans, those scans are, help us in cancer research and, and they help us look at the brain in, in different ways. So for example, there are research studies that we cite in our book that show off how they use these scans to look at the glucose that's in the in the brain and how the glucose is being used. And they are definitely able to see in research that a patient's brain in hypnosis looks incredibly different than a patient's brain that's not in hypnosis. So these kinds of things help us see that, that there is physical proof to base the fact that there is something physical that these words do to us. And isn't that really special, though? Because you have words that are creating a, a healing process. So I just want to mention that my book is able to pull together this research. And the other thing is that the actual healing properties of the hypnotic words can be really special, but they're not something that you are doing to someone. So that would be the, the third thing that I just want to highlight is because when hypnosis is used, it's a partnership between you and the other person. So if someone is, quote, hypnotizing me, they're doing it because I let them. It's sort of not a thing where you are exerting control over someone. It's, a, it's, it's based on trust. You, you, it's, it's trust. Yeah. So this means that what we do as paramedics is we interact with that person by first greeting them in a way and interacting with them in a way so that we can build credibility and confidence and we can give a rapport to that patient to hold on to. And so it's not like we walk in and we say, stop bleeding, I command you. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, it's, it's all about the connection with the person so that it's a working together process. Graham, I think your book is absolutely fascinating and I really appreciate the time taken to discuss your book with us today. I just want to say thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. I've loved it. If you would like further details about Bram and to order a copy of his book, then please follow links in the show notes. 